0: This morning's readings from Leviticus chapter 19, and I'm reading verses 9 to 10. So, Leviticus 19. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. Thank you, Deb. And once again, I'm going to encourage you to stand up now as we come uh, to our time of of engaging with God's Word. So I encourage you to do that now. Be a leader. Be the first. Thank you, Abraham. What I want us to do before we come to God's Word is engage our bodies so that we can engage our mind. And so we've been sitting for a bit. We've been doing a bunch of different things. And so I encourage you to stand. If you're going to take notes, get your, your notebook out or grab a piece of paper and a pen as we kind of intentionally Focus on what God has to say and do for us this morning. So I encourage you to pray with me if you would like to just put your hands in a, a posture of receiving as we come to to engage with what God would have for us from His Word this morning. Hmm. So, Father, I pray this morning that we would be filled with hunger. that we would desire all that you have to teach us, to show us, to be for us this morning. I pray that all that you would have us receive this morning, we would grasp and and claim and lay hold to. Father, whatever's not for, for us this morning, whatever's not what you want us to grab hold of this morning, whether that comes from my mouth, whether that comes from our own thoughts or anything else this morning, I pray would just slip through our fingers. Let us only lay hold of what you would have for us this morning. And Father, I declare that we don't want to come in and go out without being changed by you today. Let us be transformed this morning by the hearing of your word. In Jesus' almighty name I pray, Amen. This morning we're continuing our series that we began last week called Life Renovation. And I, I got a comment this week from someone saying, your graphic design for the, for the messages has just gone through the roof, Nick. It's so good. And I, I was uh, happy to be able to tell that person that's because I've stopped doing it. Um, and so I, I want to thank Alex for, for, for providing images for our messages and, and blessing them that way. It really adds value, I feel, um, to have a bit of a, a picture to ground us in that. So, so we're continuing this series called Life Renovation and to begin with this morning I want to read a um, 2 Corinthians 3.18 Um, and so because it's not going to be on the screen I encourage you to find your Bibles this morning. So 2 Corinthians 3.18 is a verse that some of us may be familiar with uh, but I just want to read for us this morning as we think about uh, engaging with uh, renovation and transformation. So 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed, or if we want to use the imagery that we're using for this series, are being renovated. All are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so what I want to encourage you with this morning is that the process of renovation, of transformation, of being changed is an ongoing process for those of us that follow Jesus. It's in fact something we're called to. We're not simply called just to sit and be the same. It's a, it's a cliche phrase, but the phrase that Jesus loves us just how we are, but He loves us too much to leave us just as we are. And so His desire is that we be transformed from, ever, from glory to glory or ever increasing glory into the image of Jesus. And so we're, we're, we're grabbing some names and labels in this series. We, we talked last week about shifting from makeshift to meaningful and, and we've got some other stuff to talk about during this series. But ultimately, this series is just four weeks of engaging in a tangible sense with partnering with God in being transformed from glory to glory into the image of Jesus Christ. And so last week, I did talk about being uh, transformed, um, being renovated from being makeshift to being meaningful in our life, to living a life filled with meaning and purpose. And so, if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to, to grab the podcast or find it on Facebook and listen to that and, and, and catch up with that one. But this week, I want to talk about uh, shifting from being maxed out to having margin. Shifting from being maxed out to having margin. And so the question, we had a question last week, we've got another question to ponder this week as we, as we journey through the message this morning. The question this week is, are you maxed out or do you live with margin? If you think about your own life and your own time and energy and uh, uh, emotional energy, mental energy, your own finances, are you maxed out? Or do you live with margin? If we think about literally renovating a home or a home that's in need of renovation, being maxed out is often the trigger to needing to renovate or to actually taking the plunge to renovate. Last week we talked about makeshift things in our home leading up to the point of renovation and we can actually put up with makeshift for a fair while once we get used to it. The thing that's harder to put up with, the thing that's harder to endure is when you've completely maxed out your home. You've got 15 children and you're living in a two-bedroom house. That's, that's a bit harder to put up with than having to have the kettle in the, kitchen, in the laundry like I talked about last week. When we've maxed out the capacity of our home to accommodate the family, that's the trigger when it's definitely time to either move house or renovate. This morning when we're talking about our lives though, we don't get to move out of our life. So that leaves us with one choice when we're maxed out. To renovate, Just as, as a home's capacity to accommodate the family that lives in it can get maxed out, and that's not always just about space, that's about functionality and capacity to house you in, in ways other than space. But, but just as a home can get maxed out, our lives can get maxed out. Our emotional energy can get maxed out, our mental energy can get maxed out. We can max out our time, we can max out our finances and go beyond even. And so I want to encourage you this morning that if your life's maxed out, it's time to renovate. If our life is maxed out, we actually need to renovate or we will crumble. And I believe that maxed out has actually become the cultural norm. We receive cultural messages that, that drive us towards more and more and more and seeking more and more and more. We hear things like do more, be more, spend more, own more, fit more in, try harder to be better and more. And it's not just through advertising. It's through you know, our friends on Facebook only posting the best parts of them and us only posting the best parts of us. And so our friends who we look at their life on social media and go, their life is amazing. I wish I was as much as they were in life. And they're thinking the same about us. We're just trying to be more. In fact, I was just thinking this morning that the title of my sermon, Maxed Out, that that could be a name of an energy drink that might sell pretty well. That that this Maxed Out actually fits well with the culture and the messages our culture is driving. That we want to be Maxed Out. We want to eke everything out of life. And I thought... If you had a drink that was called, like, Be Still, it probably wouldn't sell too well. And then I realized it already exists. It's called tea. (laughs) But our culture drives us towards wanting more. And so I want to ask you, have you bought into these messages? Are you maxed out or do you live with margin? And if you're not sure, if you can't comprehend that question, well, I want to ask you, do you find yourself saying this kind of stuff or thinking this kind of stuff? I don't have enough time for you can fill in the blank. I never have enough money for you can fill in your blanks. I never have any energy left. I'm so exhausted all the time. I can never get it all done. I can't keep up with life. If you find yourself saying this kind of thing more than like once or twice a, a year <laughs> after a hard week, then I'd I suggest that, at least in some areas of your life, you're maxed out. And seeking to max out our life, seeking to constantly press more and more into it is actually driven by fear and anxiety. That's the reality. Uh, uh, A researcher and an excellent public speaker and author named Brené Brown uh, calls our culture um, a culture which has had more material resources than any culture in the history of humanity. Yet, she defines our culture as a culture of scarcity. And what that means isn't that resources are actually scarce, what it means is that we feel that they are. And so no matter how much we have, we always feel like we're not enough and we never have enough and we'll never be enough. And so though we have more than anyone has ever had in a, in a across-the-board cultural perspective, we never feel like we're quite enough. And so we constantly try and pack more into our life. And I, and I, I want to be honest with you this morning. This is the trap that I fall into regularly as a person. At the start of January, I shared some of my personal struggles and, 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 and personal difficulties through, through December and, and a big part of that was simply being maxed out. I had nothing left. And so I, I don't want to pretend that I've got it all sorted out this morning but I'm beginning to learn that this is a thing for me. Um, I might be a slow learner but, but 35 years in, I, I'm starting to kind of realise, okay, I have a radar for opportunity beyond my radar for my own personal capacity. And so if if you're someone who lives a maxed out life if you kind of stretch to the streams then I I want to say me too. This is not a uh, speaking from an ivory tower telling you how you should live. This is a sharing together, seeking to work out together how we can create margin in our lives. And so this Fear and anxiety-driven attempt to jam more in and pack more in. Like we only have 24 hours a day, but, but we try and put more into it. We only have so much money to spend, and, but we try and spend more on it. We only have so much emotional energy, but, but we kind of try and throw it out and spread it even thinner. This is, this is like the house equivalent of hoarding. Have, have you ever been to someone's house and it's just filled with so much stuff? And maybe that's your house. I'm not wanting to house shame anybody this morning. And if you feel like, is he talking about me? Um, I'm not talking about anyone specifically this morning. But have you ever been to someone's house or your own house and it's just filled with so much stuff and you just wondered, is all this stuff necessary? It's kind of getting in the way of moving around the house and, and living in the home and, and, and just kind of think, is all this stuff necessary or purposeful is there a, is there a valuable reason for why it's here living a maxed out life living beyond our capacity is like hoarding things filling your life with stuff just like that it's it's about jamming more in more in and to the point where it gets in the way of your life and and you might not see it but but someone else might walk into your life and go is all that necessary is all that really purposeful? Is all that really valuable? We all are at risk of falling into the trap of being life hoarders. Uh, and this is not a new problem, though I say our culture has become a culture of, of, of the norm been maxed out. It's not a new problem. In fact, thousands of years ago in the Psalms, uh, this kind of maxing out of our life was spoken about in um, Psalm uh, 127 verse 1 and 2 says this, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builder's labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise up early and stay out late, anxiously toiling for food to eat, for he grants his sleep to those he loves. Now, a confession, if you're reading in front of in your own Bible there, the word anxiously isn't there, but in the original Hebrew, that word toiling means more than just working hard. This is not about working hard. This is about anxiously toiling to have enough and to be enough. This is about toiling between, sorry, about toiling beyond what God is doing and calling you to do in your life. It says, in vain you rise up early and stay up late, anxiously toiling. In in our modern phraseology, we would call this burning the candle at both ends. Now, there's nothing wrong with getting up early to work hard. And there's slightly less nothing wrong than staying up late to work hard, but if that's the way you do it, then that's kind of okay. There's nothing wrong with doing either of those things. The problem comes when we get up early... And we stay up late, anxiously toiling. It's living beyond our capacity. It's burning the candle at both ends. And I want to encourage us to to understand this morning that living a maxed out life isn't how we were created to live. And it's dangerous for our health. See, living a maxed out life, burning the candle at both ends is, is to throw another metaphor in like living your life at the red line. If your life was a car, living a maxed out life is like keeping your foot planted so that the engine's um, tachometer, the thing that tells you how hard the engine's revving, is, is right up at the maximum of what your car can handle. Living a maxed out life is like living with it there the whole time. There are times when you're driving your car where you need to push the needle towards the red line. If you're pulling out of a driveway onto the road, you might need to push it up a bit more. If you're pulling out on the highway, you might need to push it up towards the red line a bit. If you're involved in a race, legally on a racetrack, you might need to push it towards the red line a little bit. But, but those times are actually pretty rare, aren't they? When, when you need to put your car's engine towards the red line. And the same is true in life. There, there are times when you need to push towards the red line, but, but they're pretty rare. And so if we drive with our car constantly pinging on the red line, we all know what's going to happen. The car wasn't made to do that. So eventually, sooner or later, something's going to break. Sooner or later, something within your car is going to explode and cause catastrophic damage. The fruit of a maxed out life isn't more. It's less. If you live with your time, your finances, your mental and emotional energy maxed out, it increases your risk of disease and illness. It reduces the health of your family, uh, relationships and your friendships. It fuels anxiety and other mental health issues. It fuels exhaustion and burnout just as a car driven at the red line constantly. If you live your life constantly at the red line, sooner or later, something's going to break. It might be your health, it might be your marriage, it it might be your relationship with your friends, it might be your business or your job. If you live at the red line, sooner or later, something's going to break, something's going to explode within you and if you're not lucky, to use an inappropriate word perhaps, that could cause catastrophic damage. The fruit of living maxed out isn't more, it's less. Our culture has embraced maxed out as its norm, but we as followers of Jesus are not called to conform to culture, are we? Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform any longer. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so I want to encourage us this morning that if if for any of us, and I've shared that this happens for me, if any of us have conformed to our culture and embraced the ideal of a maxed out life, if we've tried to push to the limits of who we are, then I want to encourage you this morning that God says to you, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be renovated, to use the title of our series by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will, His good, pleasing and perfect will. So are you maxed out or do you live with margin? That's the, the question we're exploring this morning and the truth I want to sow into that space, into each of our hearts this morning as we ask that question is this. You were created to have margin in your life each and every one of us were created to have margin in our lives and so we jump back into psalm 127 verses 1 and 2 for a moment i want to highlight the last line of that uh, short passage of scripture it says for he grants his sleep to those he loves So God grants sleep, He grants rest, He he grants breathing space, He grants margin, He grants room in your life to those He loves. So God is not into maxed out. The scripture says that God never neither grows tired or weary. He doesn't grow faint. God's resources are unlimited, yet we're also told in Scripture that He rests. After six days of creation, God rested. That tells us that rest, that margin, is about something more than just getting tired. If we think about the universe that God created, there's more space in it than there is stuff. If you're on the church camp, we had some lovely astronomical um, questions from John about Uranus and about the stars and which is the biggest and stuff like that. But what wasn't a question is, is how much space is there in the universe? And the answer to that question would have been almost all of it is space, is nothingness. So God's not into jamming everything full of stuff. And we were created in His image. If God's not intermaxed out, then we're called and created to not be intermaxed out. And This verse that Deb read for us this morning, these two verses from Leviticus, give us a a metaphor and a principle of leaving margin in our life. It says, again, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the edges of your field or gather the the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. And and so this this was law for ancient Israel and, and the law was about leaving some leftovers for those who had none. It was about not taking every grain and grape from your property so that that those who had no grain and those who had no grapes could gather some up. That's the obvious application of this this verse, but I want to encourage us this morning to think about it in a slightly different way because it's also a blessing to the owner of the field. It's not just a blessing to the poor and the alien or or stranger, um, to use a more... Uh, relevant modern word. It's not just a blessing to the poor and the stranger in in our areas. It's a blessing to the person who owns the field and it's a blessing in this way. It frees them from the anxiety of feeling like they have to gather every single grain from their property. It frees them from the anxiety of trying to be constantly more. Of fretting about did they leave any capacity behind in the field it it frees the owner of the vineyard from feeling like well we've already been through the vineyard and collected as many grapes as we can but we better go back another time and and see if there's just any more to collect up it's a blessing to those who have none but it's also a blessing to those who own the field because it frees them from the anxiety of anxiously toiling to constantly have more and be more it's not law for us, we don't live in ancient Israel, but I want to suggest to you this morning it's a sound principle. Not many of us, uh, Dacre um, and Ross and Di excluded, have, have um, farming land and Rob and Renee, don't want to miss out any farmers, <laughs> offend anyone this morning. Damien's got a pretty unreal vegetable patch, so we'll include him. Not many of us actually have land that we can literally apply not harvesting to the edges of it. And even if we did, it's probably unlikely that poor and poor people and aliens would come and, and gather the leftovers um, from our field. But we can embrace this principle, as a principle for our life, that, that we don't harvest to the edge of our life, that we don't try and glean every minute, every moment, every second for productivity. That we don't try and, and go over our life a second time to make sure we didn't leave anything behind, a grape or a grain. We can embrace this scripture not as law for us about how we farm our land, but as a principle about leaving margin. And here's what I think it says to us it says that we are called to not harvest to the very edge of our time, it says that we're not called to harvest to the very edge of our finances. It says that we're called to not harvest to the very edge of our mental and emotional energy. It says that we're called to leave some margin in our life. And so as followers of Jesus, we're called to be different and this is the one of the ways that we are called to be different is that we don't max out, we leave margin. And so if you're not convinced yet, I I do want to talk this morning and spend some time talking about well, how do we create that margin if we don't have it or or perhaps how do we preserve the margin if we already do. But if you're not convinced yet that margin is a good thing in your life, I just want to talk for a few minutes about what creating that margin that I believe we're called to have in our life will actually do. So creating margin, the first thing that it will do in your life is it will leave space for others. leave space for others around you. And this is obviously the direct application of Leviticus 19, 9 and 10, that, that leaving margin in the way that you harvest your field leaves space for others to have some. Uh, I, I just want to show you a picture on the screen this morning as a, yeah, as a, as a visual representation of, of what margin looks like. And, and this uh, what you're seeing in this picture is, is called crown shyness. And it's what happens in some species of trees. It doesn't happen in every species of trees. Apparently, it's more often to happen among species of trees that are next to the same species. And so crown shyness is this phenomenon of trees leaving space around their furthest tips or crowns. I learnt that. Um, That's what tree people call the edges of trees, crowns. It's about leaving space around the edges of their most distant leaves and the next tree. Scientists don't actually know for certain what causes this, but, but what I read was that they suspect that as the branches and the leaves grow out, as they start to touch and rub against each other, against another tree, that that triggers them to stop growing in that direction. And so what actually happens is the, the trees pull back a little bit from there, and it gives the trees space to live and exist and for the wind to blow and for the trees to live and and be alongside each other, but be undamaged by each other. And so just as trees leave margin, which allows them to exist and avoid damaging each other, leaving margin, leaving space around us and ourselves allows others to exist around us undamaged. It allows others to exist around us in a way that we don't get damaged as readily, at least, by them. And so one of the lies that I believe comes from Satan is, is the sense of that leaving margin in your life, leaving space in your life is selfish. It's selfish to create margin in your life, to have a bit of spare time, to, to have a bit of spare money, to have a bit of a spare emotional and mental energy. That's selfish. But the truth is that leaving margin isn't selfish. It's actually a way that we can be other-focused. Leaving margin in our life is a way that we can focus on the needs of others by allowing them to exist around us undamaged, unbroken, not rubbed up against too much. And so if if you've embraced that lie this morning, I just encourage you to, to break off the lie in Jesus' name that leaving margin in your life is selfish. So the first thing that creating margin will do is it will create space for others. The second thing that it will do is help define where you begin and where you end. It helps define your identity and your uniqueness as a person. And so if we go back to crown shyness as an image, the other thing you'll see is not just the space between the trees, but it actually helps you to see which branches and which leaves belong to which trees, where each tree begins and ends. And so leaving margin in our lives helps us to see and to understand where I begin and where I end, where you begin and where you end. What's my responsibility and what's not my responsibility? What's yours and what's mine? So each of the trees contribute to the canopy, the community of trees, but they each leave space for each other, but it also leaves space for them to to be identified as a unique and individual tree. Living without margin, in effect, is like living without boundaries. If you live, you might have the best understanding in the world of where your boundaries should be, but if you live right up to the edge of them, you're going to fall over them more often than not. Your life is going to spill over into other people's lives and other people's lives are going to spill over into yours and, and, and you lose your uniqueness within community. So leaving margin leaves space for others. Leaving margin helps us to identify who we are as individuals and leaving margin, and, and this should hopefully be the biggest nugget for you and that's why I've put it in the middle of these five reasons, is leaving margin will lead to a richer and more satisfying life. Our culture with this norm of being maxed out seems to celebrate burnout and exhaustion like a badge of honour. And we have conversations, and again, I confess to have been part of these conversations to try and one-up each other about like, oh, I was, I was up last night till 3am doing that thing and I'm so tired, and then the, the person we're talking to will be like, oh, well, I was up till 4am doing the other thing, and so I'm, uh, you must be tired, but I'm that little bit more tired than you, and then someone else would, yeah, well, I got to bed alright, but I was up at 1am this morning, because I had to do that thing, which is subtly more important than the things that you were doing over here. And so we have these conversations that, that we, we, we have the goal of proving that we're the most exhausted, burnout person in the room so that we get to go home with the trophy of I am the most burnout, exhausted person in the room. Uh, this is a part of our cultural celebration of being maxed out but, but I want to suggest to you this morning that burnout is not a badge of honour. That having no margin, no rest and no play makes for grumpy, uptight, tired, dysfunctional and unproductive people. I also want to suggest that it's not the life that Jesus came to give you. In John 10.10, 10, he says, The thief came to steal and kill and destroy. Being maxed out, it steals, it kills, and it destroys. Being maxed out is a tool of the enemy, the thief. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And Sometimes there's a, a word that exists in the ancient Greek original text, that one English word can't kind of embrace the, the whole meaning of. And so I actually want to read that last sentence to you this morning um, from the amplified uh, version of the Bible. And if you're following through in your devotionals, you would have read this this morning in your 21 days of prayer and fasting. It says, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That's, that's, that's a fuller sense of what that word full means in the original ancient Greek that this text was written. Jesus came that you would have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Jesus came that you would have a full life in the sense of a rich and enjoyable life, not a full life in the sense of it's full of stuff and things to do and being maxed out and overstretched. Jesus came that you would have and enjoy life and have it in abundance till it is full and overflows. And so the reality is that creating margin in your life might mean sacrificing some things. It might mean you actually have to change jobs that cost you a bit of your finances. It might mean that you have to let go of that house that's just stretching you beyond your ability to pay for it it might mean that you need to say no to some stuff that you actually enjoy doing to create some space creating margin might mean that you sacrifice some stuff but it will mean that you have a richer more satisfying life Uh, Andy Stanley is a uh, American pastor and preacher says this He, he uses the phrase creating breathing room instead of creating margin but we'll forgive him he says creating breathing room may lower your standard of living There's no bones about it. Creating margin may lower your standard of living in measurable terms, but it will increase your quality of life. See the cultural message is of more, more, more in measurable things that we can compete with one another with. How new is your car? How big is your house? How big is your bank balance or your income? So creating breathing room may lower your standard of living but it will increase your quality of life. Creating margin will protect what is important in your life. Creating margin will make sure you don't miss out on what's important and it will make sure that you enjoy it. If you've bought concert tickets, at, and I can't believe how much concert tickets cost these days... Um, If you've bought sporting tickets, for those that don't do concerts, if you've bought sporting tickets to something, to the grand final in Melbourne, Michael, you're going to the AFL uh, in Melbourne, you've bought tickets, it's cost you a fortune, what do you do on the day it's time to arrive? If it's going to take you an hour to get to the stadium or to the concert venue, do you leave 55 minutes before the start time? Some some of us do. (laughs) But what should you do to make sure you don't miss out on your investment? If it's going to take you an hour, you leave 90 minutes before. If it's going to take you six hours to get to Melbourne for the game, well, then you're going to leave the day before. You're not going to drive there that morning. You create margin in your time around arriving at the venue of what you've invested in to see this thing so that you don't miss out and that when you get there, you're not filled with anxiety about getting there, so much so that you miss the enjoyment of what you're there for. Another way of looking at it is if you've bought the world's most expensive vase, you're not going to put it right on the edge of the shelf where a two-year-old running past and the vibrations is going to see it crash the floor. You're going to push it back a little bit. You're going to leave some margin between your valuable vase and tragedy. And so creating margin in our life has the same effect. It, It protects with a buffer zone what's important to us. It protects with a buffer zone what's important to us. And so you probably hopefully can think of things that are important to you like your your relationships and if you're married, your marriage, your your children, um, your your family, having food to eat, uh, having a house to live in, those things are important. Uh, Last week I spoke about shifting from being makeshift to meaningful and I I said that, that Jesus and the things that support our faith in Him should be designed into the blueprint of our life. But I want to suggest this week that it's not just about designing Jesus into the blueprint of your life. It's actually about creating margin around those things that support your faith in Him. It's about creating margin around your time in prayer, around your time in the Scriptures so that they actually happen. And I want to suggest this morning to press one particular thing. It's about creating margin around coming to a church gathering. See, if a a concert that you've bought tickets to or a sporting event or a vase on the shelf is valuable enough to create margin around, then why not worshipping the Almighty God with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Why is that not something that we don't all create a bit of margin around so that we don't miss the first 10 minutes? (coughs) Or that we're not filled with rushing and we get here, we're not in an attitude of worship because we've rushed to get here. I want to encourage this actually that, that if we created margin around coming to a gathering of the church to worship God, then it wouldn't just transform our own ability to engage and enjoy our time with God, it would transform our whole church just by aiming to arrive at 9.45 instead of 10, which ends up being 10.15. But it's not just about church gatherings, it's, it's about every aspect of your life. What's important to you needs margin around it to protect it. And finally, creating margin will leave capacity in reserve for seasons that you need extra. Like I said, there are times when you need to push your car to the red line. There are times where you need that extra bit of effort. There are times where you need that little bit of extra money. There are times when you need uh, to spend just a, a few extra hours on something. I've got a little Mazda 3 and and 90% of its life, it it doesn't go outside of Yass where the speed limit's 50 kilometres an hour. So 90% of the time, all I would need is a car that can do 50 kilometres an hour. One of those little smart car things. But there are times where I need to drive to Canberra or to Sydney or to Melbourne. Uh, And to do that, I need a car that can go 110 kilometres an hour. And so I've only had the 50 kilometre an hour car. I wouldn't have the margin for times that I need extra. And so creating margin in your life leaves space for those times where you need to push a little bit harder. So creating margin does these things. It leaves space for others. It helps to define who you are as a person and your identity. It it helps you to lead a richer and more satisfying life. It protects what's important in your life and it leaves capacity in reserve for seasons that you need extra. That's all very well and good, but, but how do we create more margin? That's, that's the question. It's great to talk about how we should have it, uh, what it can do, but, but the question really is how do we create more margin? And, and like last week, throughout this series, I, I want to now give you um, some bits of paper that you can do whatever you want to do with, but I encourage you to take them away. Because this, this process of creating margin in your life is more than something you can do in the last five minutes this morning. It takes more reflection and so what I want to do is is give you some tools to take away to reflect upon this morning. Some of us will be quick thinkers and and, um, engaged with the Holy Spirit and as I talk through how we create margin, you'll be there by the end of the five minutes but some of you will need to take away and process so I want to suggest before we get to what's on your sheet is that, that the process of creating margin in your life actually begins with believing the truth that you were created to have margin in your life. See, no matter, no matter what practical tools I give you, you're never going to have margin in your life unless you believe that first, that you were created to have margin in your life. And so the first practical thing we can do to create margin in our life though is to remove the clutter from your life that erodes your capacity. So we all have things in our life that are unintentional wasters of capacity. We all have things that consume our time, consume our money, consume our uh, emotional energy that, that just really aren't important. It's the equivalent of clutter in your house. And so to create margin, we need to identify these things and remove them so that we've got space. Identify and remove the clutter of your life. It might be, apologies to Dan and Tony, but it might be just spending a little bit too much money on coffee at Trader & Co and you need to go, well, I'm just going to limit that to 15 cups a day. It, it, it might be that... that um, and I won't name names because I haven't asked them to share this but someone recently was mature enough to do an audit of what they're spending their time on they realise I'm spending hours a day just browsing on the computer. It might be that you sit down after dinner and, and you flick the TV on and three hours later you haven't actually enjoyed any of it, you haven't achieved anything and, and, and so then you watch it another two hours in the hope that doing the same thing might lead to enjoyment and achievement and then you go to bed, five hours gone. And so we need to identify what are the things that I don't actually care about, that aren't meaningful, that aren't valuable, that are just using up my capacity and remove them. Uh, recently, um, I was watching the Big Bash cricket on the TV, which is one of the... That's a, that's a waste of time. Well, it gets, it gets better, Steve. It's not just watching Big Bash. And they advertised this, this iPhone game, this Big Bash iPhone game. So I was sitting there watching Big Bash. I am like, oh, okay, I'll we'll get on the App Store and get it. Several days later, I'm like, oh... I'm freaking trying to hit sixes and getting frustrated when I don't. And I wasn't really enjoying it that much. And I just kind of realized this is wasting way too much of my time. So I deleted the app. Haven't missed it one little bit. But before that, for, for three or four days, probably added up to a couple hours of my life, my wife's looking at me like, when were you doing that? <laughs> And so we need to identify those things that are unimportant, that are unfulfilling, that aren't worthwhile and remove them from our life. Simple as that. The second thing we do, and it gets a little bit deeper as we go on, is demolish unsustainable and unfruitful commitments that result in you being overcommitted. That's That's a mouthful. So just as in a renovation you want to clear out all the clutter, in a renovation there's also a time to demolish things. Um, Christy and I enjoy watching this um, um, Fixer Upper show. Um, it's got this couple on it. It's the, the wife is the designer and the husband's like the handyman builder and that. And his most exciting part of it is demo day. And he gets excited, he gets his hammer out and they just go in there and smash things up um, that they don't need anymore. Uh, and so in our life renovation, there comes a time to actually demolish things. As a church and... And as people in general, we're really good at adding things, but we're not great at demolishing things from life. And so, so to have more margin in our life, we actually need to identify those commitments that we have that are the, the getting up early, staying out late, anxiously toiling kind of things, the kind of things that are, that are not what God is calling us into, they're not what God is doing in our life, they're, they're the things we're stretching beyond what we're meant to be doing. So it might be that, your job is actually something beyond your capacity. Now, I'm not saying everyone should go out and quit, their, quit your jobs, but we, we need to, to think about our jobs. It might be that you're renting or trying to buy a house that's just simply too expensive for you to afford. It might be that you're spending time in relationships um, with people that are not sowing into your life and they're not people that you have a responsibility to and, and they don't, there's no real reason but they just continue to suck the emotional and mental energy out of your life. Uh, there might be other things for you. There, there, there's stuff in our life that we buy into, that we commit to, that there comes a season that maybe it was meaningful important once, but now it's an area where we're just toiling anxiously beyond what we're able to do. And So the solution is to identify those things and begin to demolish them in a Christ-like way. If we need to change jobs to create margin, then I encourage you don't go in there and start flipping tables and saying, I'm out of here. <laughs> if your home is beyond your capacity to pay for, don't just stop paying rent. <laughs> if there's relational commitments that you need to end that commitment, then do it lovingly and graciously and explain. You don't have to justify but explain that you're, you're taking a step away from that. An example of this in my own life, and it, and it connects with part of the reason why I was just maxed out or over-maxed out in December, is is, is an important commitment I made a few years ago to lead um, our YAS community carols team in this local area. Um, and, and so that's a commitment I've fulfilled for three years, and actually it was probably midway through 2017, I was like, I'm done with this, this is, this is anxiously toiling beyond what God's calling me to do in this season. Um, and it was something I felt like God called me to do originally, and so... Demolishing that commitment lovingly though meant seeing that through to the end of the cycle. Finishing the year and then saying and handing that back for the next year. And in the wake of that, there's other things that I can take up that are more what God is calling me to do but I encourage you, if you want to create margin in your life, you actually have to be prepared to pick up a sledgehammer in a loving way to demolish some unsustainable and unfruitful commitments that result in you being maxed out and overcommitted. And finally, the final practical thing you can do to create margin in your life is to make a plan to intentionally build capacities in areas that you need to grow. So just as in a in a house renovation there's times where you've cleared out all the clutter, you've demolished all the unnecessary structure, but you still need extra space. You might need to extend the kitchen. You might need a, a new bedroom or, or if you're that family that has 15 children and two bedrooms, you might need 13 new bedrooms. There's times in life where we've cleared the clutter, we've demolished unfruitful commitments and God is calling us into something. It's not a thing we shouldn't do. It's something we're passionate about and, and God's calling us into it but we just don't have the capacity for it. And so we need to make a plan for how we're going to intentionally grow our capacity. And the thing is that capacity is not built by running at the red line. You don't build capacity by trying to run at things flat out. You need to be intentionally about it. You need to seek out equipping. You need to train. And so an example of this in my own life is being maxed out towards the end of the last year and, and starting to see some of the warning signs of burnout, which is something I've experienced before, um, and and connecting that with some uh, uh, a pastor in Canada's stuff that I was reading. He had a course coming up that was called High Impact Leader. Um, and so just some of the, the the topics the course covered, I thought that's going to be you know an intentional capacity builder for me and some of the shifts that I need to make um, <clears throat> just because of who I am but also the next season that we're coming into as a church to equip me to lead the church going forward. And, and so thank you to our diaconate um, who responded and, and, and paid, wasn't a huge amount of money, but paid for that course um, for me to be able to do that. And so that is something that I'm, I'm partway through and that's really been helping me to create margin. It's not been about stripping away clutter. It's not been about ending commitments. It's been about building my capacity so that I've got more capacity to do that which God has called me to do. And so how do we create margin? We create it by removing the clutter, the things that don't matter that erode our capacity. We create it by being prepared to pick up a sledgehammer and demolish commitments that are unfruitful or unsustainable or not meaningful. And we build capacity by making an intentional plan to grow. We live in a culture in which maxed out has become the norm. And so I want to encourage you this morning that that should not be your norm. God said in His Word, do not conform any longer to the ways of the world. And so there's something about if the world is so headlong into something, that should at least give us a warning sign to go, maybe that's not what I should be doing. That's not who I should be. Maxed out is the cultural norm, but you were created, you were called to have margin in your life. And so it's time to renovate. It's time to make the shift from maxed out to living with margin. It's time to clear the clutter. It's time to demolish. It's time to build, to embrace the full and overflowing life that Jesus came to give you. It's time to move away from anxiety and fear that drives us to want more to seek more to buy more to spend more to work harder for more 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 to try and be enough and have enough it's time to step away from that to step into Christ being enough to Jesus being enough and us having enough and being enough in him too.